Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be talking about the reasons why we manifest relationships into our lives, what they do for us, and what we can do to make them better. Part of being embodied in the world of being a spiritual entity experiencing a physical existence, is transmuting Akasha into physical life. Each of us is a conduit for the raw material of the Akashics to come into form. Universal energy flows through us from our head and out through our feet or perineum, depending on what we're doing and how we're positioned, but not as if it were water going through a pipe. We aren't a superhighway where life force flows through us and out in order to move from point A to point B. As Akasha or life force moves through us, it is changed through a system of energy points, chakras and sephirot, moving from inspiration to fully formed expression. Each of us, like an artisan, imbues the Akasha we are transmuting, what we are crafting into being, with our own essence. We are literally using our own existence to create, and so what we produce, whether it's a gesture, a smile, a laugh, a conversation, a note, a trip to work, a memo, or anything else we do from moment to moment, it's uniquely us and also uniquely itself. What we do is released to the world and moving away from us to ripple out towards others in a beautiful action-reaction pattern which helps co-create existence. At the same time, we're filled with Akasha returning to the Akashics. If we weren't, we would be constantly exhaling and never inhaling, as it were. Earth energy, the life force which exists in embodied life, is constantly filling us, allowing what exists to influence us, to impart to us wisdom and experience, flowing back through us and being transmuted yet again into a new form of Akasha, which then co-creates the universe. One particular aspect of this amazing and yet ubiquitous alchemy is relationships. Our most intimate interconnection comes from allowing ourselves to relate to an intimate partner, whether this be through dating, living together, marriage, or a multitude of other similar arrangements. While our work, our interests, and our hobbies allow us to express and create aspects of ourselves, our relationships give us the opportunity to be in the world. They challenge us to show our most vulnerable, most essential selves externally. They allow us to see and be seen fully in a way which nothing else can. They hold up a mirror for us to experience ourselves more holistically than we can ever do alone. When we're preparing for an embodied life, one of the things we choose is what types of intimate partnerships will best suit our needs. These fall into three general categories. No relationships, relationships which support, nourish, or educate us, and one and only one relationships. It's less common than it used to be, 
for a soul to choose a life without relationships. It made more sense to do so when relationships were unequal and more about support and survival. Those wishing to be male and to dedicate themselves solely to work could choose not to have relationships because being married would distract from their purpose more than support them. Examples of this are the bachelor scientist or the perpetual explorer and so on. Those who wished to focus heavily on an ascetic and or spiritual path would eschew them as well. As would some who wished to come into this world as two-natured, LGBTQ, at the time that it was illegal and possibly deadly to be found to be so. Better to be the perpetual loner than found to be criminally twisted. Unfortunately, this battle for equality continues, but we've made great strides in recent years. Some still select a life alone, but as the sexes in both their roles and their agency in the world shift towards equality, as relationships become less and less a legal danger, souls are choosing to welcome relationship as aspects of the lives they choose. One and only one relationships, or soulmates, have always been a very small percentage of lifestyle choices. To choose this type of life means creating a physical body which will only successfully connect with one other person. All others will feel less than, not quite right, and will not allow for healthy relations. The person will be heavily dependent on the other for their ability to relate to the world intimately. Also, all circumstances in both lives will need to align in such a way that they meet each other, like each other, are in the right circumstances to be intimate, and then they choose to do so on top of all that. This is somewhat like throwing two darts at each other from a thousand miles away and hoping nothing interferes with them meeting in the middle. Needless to say, as romantic as this type of relationship may seem, most of them fail. This leaves one or both parties struggling in the area of relationships, sometimes without one for the entirety of their lives. It's a type of life which is not undertaken lightly. In fact, I would estimate that less than 1% of souls have ever done so, let alone are doing so currently. Most souls choose the middle path, of being open to relationship as well as open to the interconnected life they will be co-creating. This means most souls have not just one perfect person who is right for them, but hundreds of contracts of possibly fantastic partners. This is so no matter where life takes them, no matter what path they choose or what course of action they take through this choice or that, there are partners available who will be good for them and whom they will be good for. Some relationships are meant as a means of learning something. Whether this is within the act of relating, unfolding a new aspect of ourselves, or enabling us to enter more fully into the world because we have the support we need at home, the relationships teach us, which therefore allows us to become. This can be joyful, excruciating, humbling, infuriating, joyous, boring, or all of the above. Hopefully not all at the same moment, but relationships are miraculous in their capacity to provide us with the extremes of experience. Some relationships are meant to support us in being. Like salt in the soup, 
They enhance what we are so we become the best version of ourselves. Some, like in the all-too-common trust exercises, provide the counterbalance to our activities so we can lean out a bit more, stretch a bit farther, fully extend ourselves into the world, and not fall. Like a bungee cord, they allow us to make amazing leaps safely. Others are like planting two climbing plants next to each other. They both grow and become in their own unique way, but are strengthened by twining together, providing equal support while still being completely themselves. A healthy long-term relationship is much like two feet walking. One foot stays planted firmly on the ground, unmoving but responding to movement around it. The other foot is focused on moving forward, lifting and traveling through space until it lands on the ground. It will then provide the grounding while the first foot begins its move forward. Therefore, when one person is experiencing change and growth, being challenged in their becoming, the other is embodying what they have already learned and become, working practically on their path and letting its richness fill their lives. Then when the other person has expanded into their new space, they begin to practically apply what they've learned, and the other partner can begin their own exploration. This is why it can be confusing to couples when one discovers something new and engrossing, yet their partner doesn't leap in to join them or even seem very interested. Only one foot can be moving forward at a time. Once the first partner is fully engaged in being what they were previously learning, the other partner will seemingly gain an interest in learning about it too. This is also why one person's career will flourish but not go into a growth mode while the other partner is in school or learning a new trade. Or if it does, why the relationship begins to struggle and may not survive. Relationships which teach us lessons are often those which we enter into because we have a need. It's all too common for people who have an unhealed wound, who feel a lack in their lives, to seek out someone who will fill the gap. The idea is, once they have met that person, have achieved the connection, the issue will be resolved, and they can move forward with the rest of their life. This could be to resolve a feeling of loneliness, lack of self-esteem, the need to create family, to be a wife or husband, to heal the hurts of previous relationships, to erase the negative effects of parents and siblings, and many other things. I call this process bandaging. We have a wound, and to heal it, we think we need to bandage it with another person, and then all will be well. In one way, this sets up great opportunities for healing. However, almost never in the way we consciously think will be the case. Due to the fact we're looking specifically for a resolution to our issue or issues, we look at potential partners not as unique individuals, but as solutions. We see them as a collage of traits which will fit our needs. We ignore extraneous things about them which don't impair their bandaging abilities and ignore their own potential needs. More often than not, the people we're connecting with are doing the same thing with us. Therefore, we enter into a relationship which bandages the wound, but does not provide a nurturing or even healthy relationship. 
since we have attended to our own needs and not attended to the person we connect with, we're surprised when they go beyond the role we set for them and demand their suddenly appearing needs to be met. We usually aren't aware they have any. We discover those sundry other traits we ignored at the beginning have relevance after all and not necessarily for the better. We find that our partner is a person and not the person we imagined them to be. Often, they're discovering the same about us. Eventually, a choice has to be made whether the relationship can expand to incorporate all of each partner or whether it can't and needs to end. Within this are significant lessons for both partners, not in the fact they chose wrongly, for more than likely they didn't. Instead, the lessons are about the wounds they were attempting to bandage and how they might heal them more effectively if they haven't already been forced into healing during their relationship. This is one reason for the cycle of choosing losers to date over and over again. Most people think they make bad choices in partners when they actually are choosing very well. They're selecting the same type of person from the hundreds, if not thousands, they have to choose from, each one another attempt at healing, learning, and becoming. To stop the cycle requires they heal fully what is wounded within themselves and open up to seeing relationship as a way to relate to another fully functioning human being. It's a co-creation which requires full participation of both parties. This is one of the greatest lessons of Yuzod, the place where we see ourselves in others. The energy of Yuzod, or sacral chakra, is about connecting fully, not with the world around us, not with humanity as a collective, but with one other unique individual. While this person can be a mirror for us, a means for us to experience ourselves and our particular expression in the world, they are themselves an expression in the world equal to our own. The miracle of embodied life is we can interconnect ourselves with another, becoming more than the sum of our parts. We can, through union, create entire worlds which bless all those around us from our neighbors to the community our friends and co-workers, our families, and the families we choose to create. The mystery of connecting with another is we both learn about the world outside us as we learn more about ourselves in equal measure. Relationships are a spiritual process which is one part of how we transmute Akasha into matter and embodied experience. How we do so is as important as that we do so. If we see our relationships as a spiritual practice, we may begin to notice where we can break free of old habits, infuse activities with new intent and energy, or even begin an active practice of gratitude for all they give to us. Whether you're currently in relationship, starting to unfold to connection, or beginning to put out the call for a partner, you are the agent of change being changed by the connection. Are you ready to move past the lessons and become the alchemist? And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be looking into what it means to have an animal guide and what the message is in the type of animal guide who comes to work with you. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. 
And if you're enjoying this podcast, please give it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.